Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Melvin, and it's time for the holiday season. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by my wonderful wife, Catherine, and the two of us are discussing John Pasquin's The Santa Claus. This movie was chosen by the lovely patrons who support Cinematic Doctrine with a small monthly donation. For as little as $3, you too can have the opportunity to vote for a movie we discuss at the end of each month by heading over to Cinematic Doctrine's Patreon. A link will be available in the show notes. First things first, thanks so much for your patience with this Patreon-voted episode. It's been a while since we've had a perfectly normal chance to produce a perfectly normal episode, and I can tell you from our side of things that this is a huge blessing. So we hope this episode is enjoyable for you as it was for us. Second, my wife does not like Santa. And maybe by the end of this episode you'll feel I've hyperbolized her distaste, because she does enjoy a Santa movie or two, but she has good reason to not like Santa. Stick around to hear all about that. Also, hear why she likes this movie despite the things she doesn't like about Santa. Oh, and hear my thoughts too, because this movie is wild if you really spend any time thinking about it. Third, hang out for our trivia section and hear a little bit about the Easter eggs hidden in this holiday flick, as well as a lot of fun background regarding Tim Allen's immense popularity back in the 90s. And lastly, Catherine and I double down on this Santa talk as we navigate why Christians aren't comfortable with Santa. Then we talk about why Christians may still find him fascinating as a modern, mythical, and fictional character. Without further ado, here's our discussion on The Santa Claus. There she is, the love of my life. Hey, Catherine. Hey. What's up? Not much. Uh, just chilling. Just glad to be back. I'm so glad you're back. And I'm also glad we're talking about a movie that gives us a chance for everyone to hear how much you don't like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, funny thing like about this movie is I if I have to think about it, I think I've always spelled Santa Claus with an E at the end. And I think it's because of this movie, because I don't think I understood the pun that mm -hmm. is in this title until this time watching it. I mean, for reference, I haven't watched this movie in a very, very long time. So. I think people can ignore the fact that I'm a little stupid. But what about you? <laughs> did you know? Did you? How do you spell Santa Claus? Do you spell it with an E at the end or because of this or, or what? No, I don't spell it with an E at the end. So I'm, I'm the only one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just like to keep your Santas very legalistic. I suppose so. I mean, that is how Santa, <laughs> that's how Santa works. Yeah. Do, do the right thing. Get on the right list. He knows if you're naughty or nice. Yeah. Get on the right, get on his good side. You don't want to be on his bad side. He can be your devil or your angle. So. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, you hate Santa Claus. So this is going to be a good time. I mean, you don't. OK, you don't hate Santa. You hate Santa, so, but you don't like. Yeah, this this movie reminded me of the reasons why my heart is soft towards like the whole Santa Claus thing. But it also like reaffirmed for me the reasons why I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's, maybe it's the whole mall Santa thing, but... Uh, mall Santas make everybody uncomfortable. Everybody <laughs> that has a pulse 
they make them uncomfortable. I don't understand why they that's still a thing. Yeah, I mean, and this this year, like with COVID going on and everything, I mean, just hearing from some people, even locally, what's going on where there's like these Santas behind plexiglass, and you know, you have <laughs> yeah. to you have to stay like twelve feet away from Santa, and you have to schedule the exact moment you're going to come and visit him. And... Santa has to use like a pole to push you down the slide instead of a boot because he still has to social distance. <laughs> yeah. So like a lacrosse stick. I don't know. Oh man. But yeah, I mean, we're not here necessarily to talk about mall Santas. We're here to talk about <laughs> about a very specific Santa. We're here to talk about Tim Allen. So yeah, let's kind of jump into our discussion. We had the joy of watching The Santa Claus with an E. With an E. With an E. Which is directed by John Pasquin, who did Jungle to Jungle and Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Whoa. It was written by Steve Rudnick and Leo uh, Benvuinetti, who... They're responsible for um, like Space Jam, Kicking and Screaming, uh, the one with Will, Will Ferrell. And of course, they're responsible for the Santa Claus 2. Is, as far as like who's featured in this film, Tim Allen of Toy Story fame. And uh, <laughs> some other people might know him as Tim the Tool Man from Home Improvement. There's Judge Reinhold uh, from Gremlins. Wendy Crewson, uh, who is from Air Force One and The Good Son. Uh, we have Eric Lloyd who was in The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars, which I don't know about you, Melvin, but Brave Little Toaster was definitely my jam. Uh, and then finally, we have David Kerholtz. And to just give us the laydown for anyone that hasn't had the joy of seeing the Tim Allen Santa Claus, here's here's kind of the plot line. Scott Calvin played by... Uh, well, ugh. Scott Calvin, played by Tim Allen, is an ordinary man who accidentally causes Santa Claus to fall from his roof on Christmas Eve and knocks him unconscious. Or, you know, so says the synopsis. Real fans know that Santa just dies. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And when Scott and his son son finish up uh, Santa's trip and deliveries, they go to the North Pole, where Scott learns that he must become the new Santa and convince those that he loves that he is indeed Father Christmas. And our MPAA rating for the Santa Claus is the Santa Claus is rated PG for a few crude moments. The specifics of which are there's some jokes regarding Tim Allen gaining weight as he becomes Santa. Because if anyone mm. recognizes Tim Allen, they know that he's small. Basically, though, these jokes can be offensive regarding the idea that weight gain is something to laugh at. And there's just yeah, there's just sort of like that fat what is it fat phobic fat um, yeah like fat shaming fat shaming there's like fat yeah. shaming to it which is like it's not good and these jokes also come with tim allen wearing the fat suit and exposing his chest so it's likely not really tim allen's chest but that's still not like yeah it's just weird mm. tim allen is in his underwear for about 10 percent <laughs> of the movie at the beginning because it's in the middle of the night when santa dies so true dad mode yeah very dad like but yeah it's still it's um just the equivalent of you figure like short shorts is what he's wearing. Of course, he's likely wearing another pair of underwear underneath, but still. Elves are performed by children, but within the story are very old and ancient creatures. The reason I mention that is there's a joke about Tim Allen commenting that one of the elf looks good for her age. It's not like an advance. It's just a joke. The elf, of course, responds, thanks, but I'm in a relationship with someone from bagging or from rapping. Sorry. And while it's kind of funny, it's still a child actor, so it's a bit weird. You know, it's kind of like a just post Me Too and pre Me Too. It doesn't sound like mm-hmm. it was good, but post Me Too, it's even worse. Some jokes regarding bad parenting are in this movie, clearly. 
because it's a, uh, you know, Tim Allen is kind of a mean, bad dad at first, but that's typical Christmas movie stuff for you. So you're probably used to it. And of course, the most egregious are fart jokes. So you can take that as either egregious in terms of morals or egregious in terms of just general comedy and being the worst kind of comedy. So that's that's kind of where we land on that in terms of content awareness. And, and to transition from fart jokes, uh, let's do our call to action. We just want to remind you guys to leave a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. It gives us really great feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow our social media. We have a Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also join our Facebook group titled The Cinematic Doctrine Group. Uh, you can check out our other shows under the same feed, Trailer Talk and Monthly Movie News, where we talk about movie culture content. You can also swing by our website, cinematicdoctrine.com, for written content on movie topics and trailers. And finally, you can support us on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. You can gain access to exclusive voting privileges in deciding a movie that is discussed at the end of the month. Just like this one. Yay! This was picked by you guys. Nice. Yay! You also get access to an exclusive podcast show called The Pre-Show, which is freeform movie talk. Christianity discussion or just discussion on life itself. So, Kat, moving into our just straight up general non-spoiler thoughts. I mean, we're talking about a movie from 1994 that everybody's watched. I mean, <laughs> so it's not like I mean, we're going to avoid spoilers because that's just the format. But you know, how how are you? How did you step away from this movie? How did you feel about it? Did you become a Santa Claus apologist? Uh, are you about to go out and tell people about the wonderful good work of Santa or or do you still hate him? Does your Christ-loving, idol-hating nature despise continue to despise Santa? Where do you land on this? Oh boy. This is this is the this is the important stuff. Do you hate Tim Allen? <laughs> no. Do you just hate Tim Allen? No. Do you hate Kurt Russell and the no. Christmas Chronicles? Hey. Literally every actor hey, that actually, plays Santa. Actually, I will have you know. <laughs> Kurt Russell is like, I I could never hate Kurt Russell. I also don't really think I want to be like a hateful person towards anyone, <laughs> whether or not they like portray Dress Santa. Dress up in a red suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you put on a red hat, I wouldn't start hating you. I love wearing Santa hats. It's so fun. But yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> Just thinking about this movie, I, I'm i not as hardcore on hating Santa as it might sound. I will not, you know, go full on, like, angry, righteous Israel and start, like, burning down statues of Santa or telling people that, like, what they're doing is really awful and shouldn't be done. You don't go around asking, like, or knocking on their neighbor's door and defaming them for having a plastic santa in the window like light up santa in the window or something <laughs> no but yeah i Bummer. mean my, my thoughts on this film i kind of walked into it thinking you know this is a really fun movie obviously one that uh i would say a lot of people around now probably grew up with uh during their childhood you've probably at some point seen this either played on the disney channel or some sort of rerun or maybe your parents had the dvd or vhs or you saw it at a christmas party or something um so i think this is a film that like a lot of people are familiar with i was familiar with it walking into it i never remember it really being a favorite i don't know if that has to do anything with the fart jokes or not walking into this i thought that i i'd give it a shot i'd see what i would walk away from walk away from it with just considering that this is a Tim Allen movie made in the 90s about Santa Claus who is like a fictional 
device, not even a fictional character, but like a fictional device that I don't really like. But yeah, I mean, just general thoughts on this movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which is good. But in the same way, I think there's a lot of good discussion to be had with the way that they handle the idea of belief. I think there's a lot of good discussion to be had there because just how outlandish it would be that a man would one day turn around and say, yeah, no, I'm I'm the real Santa Claus. Yeah. And I think some good good in- insight for that, like like we, we told you the premise that like he kills Santa. Uh, he doesn't knock him out. He kills him. And then he has to, he finds out he has to become Santa Claus. And so this is like, like he, he has to then go back during the rest of the year after killing Santa and he's transforming into Santa and his son had been with him the whole time and knows, yeah, my dad is the new Santa. So it's true. And so his son is telling everybody like my dad, Santa, my dad, Santa, but you're looking around and he's just like living. What city was this in? I forget. Just like a normal yeah. suburban town where the Tim Allen people are pointing at him saying like, you're not Santa. Stop deluding yourself. And so, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. there's sort of this like we as the audience know that he is Santa. He is the new Santa. He is transforming into Santa. But there's these, yeah, there's these constant conversations about, like, do you actually believe in Santa, though? Like, there's even one really comical scene where two figures talk to each other and they're basically reminiscing the time as kids when they stopped believing in Santa and how it was basically Mm -hmm. an existential moment where one character was hoping for this one toy their whole time, every the whole year, to say that every day that year, maybe not every day, but it felt like every day I wrote a letter saying I wanted this for Christmas. Christmas came along and I got everything I wanted except for the one thing that I really actually wanted. And that was the day I stopped believing in Christmas. Mm. Wow. If you're a Christian, you're hearing that and going, that sounds a lot like somebody saying, I stopped believing in God. Now, obviously, like I'm not equating Santa to God, but as a device, like you're talking, there's sort of this device of believing in a old ancient being that travels all over and based on whether you're good or bad blesses you or curses you with coal <laughs> and so it is easy to watch this movie and chuckle from a distance at scenes like that and so there is some comedy to like two characters reminiscing like yeah this one time all i wanted was a weenie whistle and i never got the weenie whistle i was three you stopped believing in santa at three I'm so sorry. And like, yeah, yeah, there is something funny to it, but it is like, as Christians, it's interesting. And we're definitely going to dig into this further at the, I mean, we could say spoiler section, but we could just do it now. (laughs) But I guess we'll wait till after trivia, because I still have my thoughts on the movie, just as a movie. But it is so interesting, because like, when you get down to it, like the Santa Claus icon is a is iconic iconography from marketing a product coca-cola based on my information of which i have not i mean that that is correct right it was mostly a coca-cola icon and then yes yeah so like coca-cola for years and years had santa claus on the side of the red and white coca-cola cans right and so like just this this object of selling things and and selling like Basically, what nowadays Santa Claus has turned into is like it's it's this icon of selling goodwill. Like if you do the right Mm -hmm. thing, look, you're going to get rewarded in the end. That's works righteousness. That's not good. And so it makes total sense why people like apart from saying, well, it's Christ's birthday. That's why I don't do Santa Claus stuff. 
That's like it might be Christ's birthday. The Catholic Church switched it around like seven times, depending on what culture you were going to. But like it, if you're if it makes sense why you would probably not want to lift that up. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. This movie has a lot to talk about in terms of understanding, like why it can be a little uncomfortable. Because like that scene is both funny, but then knowing that like in an a religious world where people will teach their kids that santa it, play along and delude mm-hmm. participate in the delusion of treating santa real and then at some point they just stop believing in him or they learn and it can be exist it can be existential frankly because yeah. if you're a child and you know nothing but you were being told that something is true only to find out it's not that's not good <laughs> yeah it it is it is a funny movie to watch but it's also like every santa movie frankly gets me like culturally a little like uh-oh it's not good like we had an experience where we had your brothers over and they were spending mm-hmm. the night and we watched the netflix klaus movie and and your little brother kept going this this is how christmas happened and we're like no this is yeah. not what happened and, and we talked to him about afterward and we were like no this is not how Christmas happened. <laughs> Christmas did not happen through a creative 2D animated Eldritch style Lovecraftian slash scientific Christmas movie. Yeah, um, yeah the, ma- the mailman did not make Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which, by the way, Klaus is really good. People should watch that. Um, it's really funny, too. But like, yeah, it's it's. I, I understand what you're saying. And mm. I also feel like that kind of gives background to people who have just heard like, why does Catherine hate it? Well, part of that's why. <laughs> well, that's why Catherine hates it. Yeah, I mean, I think more personally, like the issues I do have are like kind of what you mentioned before with like the, the more capitalist kind of movement of you're using this figurehead to kind of sell things. There's like this, I mean, like, you can't ignore, especially here in the United States, that whenever it's Christmas time, there's this idea of like, if you buy more, you're going to make people happier, or you're going to make them love you more, or you're going to make yourself more secure. And like, thinking of like, just the marketing campaign of having Santa on things. Mm -hmm. And also the idea Mm -hmm. of, I mean, a lot of kids grow up in households where they have these big, elaborate, expensive presents. And whenever, you know, they ask like, who got it for them? parents will say oh it was santa and you're planting these ideas of like um first off like definitely the works righteousness thing where it's like if i'm just good enough you know this this being that i can't see and i can't touch and i can't like that i just have to believe is there will reward me um if i'm good which i think is like pretty problematic but then also you're building this idea of um if you have something if if you're blessed in a particular way, like by being able to have like a really great gift, you're not able to properly, I would say, like appreciate it by saying like, oh, like it came from my parents or like maybe you don't understand whenever Santa got you an Xbox 360 and, you know, your friend Santa was only able to get them like, you know, a couple dolls to play with or something. Right, right. Michael Scott has that line in the office where he says, mm. Christmas is the time where you get to show somebody I love you this much money's worth. This is how many dollars worth I love you. And it's like that kind of passively is what it turns into. If it's not, I have to do good to to get this good thing. I have to do right so I can get more gifts. 
It's I need to try and like make sure I'm giving somebody a good gift in comparison to somebody else. It's it's tough. But yeah. before we get too far down the line, I should share my thoughts. I I really like this movie. I think I think this movie is really fun. I think this movie it has some really good clever stuff, like just the fact that like he'll burn the turkey in the beginning and they run to Denny's and just being in a 20, like being a millennial in a post 2010s world, post not even, I won't even say post COVID, just post 2010s <laughs> where social media exists and Denny's has taken a new form of like, if you want to find the local fight club, you go to Denny's. It's just really funny to me that they're like, Denny's is open all the time. So they're going to <laughs> Denny's, the, the last place I would take anybody. <laughs> it's just so bad. That was like, always my just... first choice as a kid, though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because it was before it became Fight Club. And uh, like, then they go there, and you're like, "Oh, look!" There's before they even show that there are dads there who also burnt turkeys. You see them in the background, and you're like, "That's why there's a bunch of dads and sons." Is literally because everybody's burning turkeys and doesn't know how to do. It. So, like, there's a lot of good clever stuff like that. I like that there's some. Um, there's one particular point in the trivia that we'll get into where they just sort of spent time like preparing little cute things that I thought were really neat. So look forward, stick around for trivia to find that out. There's also just some really good like, yeah, like we were just digging into that where like there's a scene where like these characters are like, when's the last time you stopped believing in Santa? And it's just like, I, f I think it just takes these things like bizarrely seriously because like the movie has starts out fantastical in the first third the first third mm -hmm. is like little, little little dude goes to spend time with his dad dad kills santa becomes santa goes to the north pole elves are real goes back <laughs> home and then like it's just like a normal drama after that by the way we did i should have put this in the synopsis but like tim allen is going through like figuring out how to handle his divorce so like co-parenting co-parenting divorce plot like going on where like it's just like what is that coming into so then now it's like here's this divorcee turning into santa claus where he might lose custody because he's like the son is saying you're santa you're santa and her his mom is going you're delusional you're delusional <laughs> and then he's going i am turning into santa but I'll lose my son if I say I'm Santa. And I'm like, this is so weird. Yeah. This is like the weirdest thing. So it's just constantly funny to me because it's like got that weird 90s vibe that you literally only get in the lawless, the lawless age of the 90s. So I don't know. It's I think this movie is a lot of fun if you recognize how bizarre it is that it's like, here's Tim Allen turning into Santa Claus, goes home might lose custody of his son because he's turning into Santa Claus. <laughs> what? <laughs> so stupid. And then I, yeah, I, so this was a blast. I had a really good time watching it and it was fun watching it again. I mean, just from the title alone, the fact that I realized it was the Santa Claus as in like a legal binding document. That is like, why did it take me 25 years to figure that out? I don't know. So there it is there it is I had to get it in there before 30 minutes i had to <laughs> oh man we should definitely get in further though with like I, I think there's a lot to be discussed in fact when when i put this up on the patreon poll for people to choose from um thank you so much patron supporters for picking this one i put it up there knowing that like we could have a really interesting discussion involving santa i think devout well-learned christians obviously understand issues with santa and i think like 
there is even cultural Christianity, which doesn't quite like Santa, probably the equivalent of not liking Halloween, I guess. But like, that doesn't mean that there isn't something to talk about. In fact, it's sometimes good to reorient on why two things. Santa Claus is problematic, but also maybe it's okay to kind of just suspend disbelief and have fun with something. And I think that that's kind of how movies work. So we'll definitely dig into that a little later. But let's head into our trivia section. Why don't you start us off with the first line of trivia? Again, anyone listening, there are no spoilers in our trivia section. The spoilers will become after the trivia, of course. I mean, what is there to spoil in this movie? It's just vernacular. We just don't talk spoilers until the end, which will literally just be the two things to spoil, I guess. But even then, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot more. But Catherine, how about you give us... Give us a read on this first trivia. Let's get started. So this was Tim Allen's first lead role for a feature length film. Hmm. It definitely wasn't like his first big role because at the same time he was known for the Home Improvement Show. Mm-hmm. Alongside uh, Tim Allen being like Scott Calvin slash Santa Claus, uh, there are a lot of references in the movie uh, to the Home Improvement Show, such as Tim Allen trying on a children's tool belt before putting it back as if to say, eh, that's not for me. There's another <laughs> punchline where Tim Allen, after putting on Santa's large suit, laments it not fitting in hopes that the next house that they visit is a tailor's house. Wah, for those of you that don't know, in Home Improvement, his character's name is Tim Taylor. Also, whenever Tim Allen's character burns a Christmas turkey, he kind of plays the scene out like a scene in Home Improvement. He makes a quip about his mistake, then he uses it as a teaching opportunity by going, and that's why you always keep a premium fire extinguisher near the kitchen. More zingers. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's like Tim <laughs> Allen's humor is definitely a mood. Yes. It's definitely yeah. a mood. Oh my mood. gosh, it is a mood. It's a very dad mood, but it's not like the bad dad kind of mood, like the sort of, like the the stereotypical dad uncle humor. I don't know what else to call it, like. That's just sort of where I land on it. Anyways. Yes. (laughs) Wait, okay. I just, we got to do this before we move on. We got to do our Tim Allen grunts. Can we do them? What are, what what are, what is like Tim Allen's grunts? The, from, from Home Improvement. You don't know? I don't. You never watched Home Improvement, did you? No. You don't know anything, my love. My goodness. I was born in nine. I was born in 97. You gotta like, give me a break. I always, I was about to say you were born in 96. I don't know anything either. <laughs> no, he does his grunts though. <laughs> whatever. It probably sounds great in your ears. What? Or whatever. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. He does it in this though. He There's a point where he goes, ho, ho, ho. But he's like, whoa, ho, ho. Like whatever. The little grunt. <laughs> very, very mood. Very, Tim, very Tim dad. Allen is a mood. I think I gotta like make him my like phone background. <laughs> I think my next desktop background will be Tim Allen, just like just Tim Allen. Anyways. Yeah, just Tim <laughs> Allen's a mood. Jerry Seinfeld's a mood. Okay. Paul Blart's a mood. <laughs> yes. Paul Blart. <laughs> Paul Blart's is a mood. extreme mood. You know, it's Thanksgiving. Why don't we do Paul Blart? It is it is listed as a Thanksgiving <sighs> movie. There are Come not on. many. <laughs> yeah, I mean just just kind of keeping with the idea of like Tim Allen and how big he was in the 90s, uh, how much of a big mood he was. Something that was on the IMDb trivia page that I thought was interesting was that for one week in November 1994, a very specific time, Tim (laughs) Allen had the number one movie at the box office, which was The Santa Claus, the number one rated television show, 
Home Improvement, and the number one New York's time, New York Times bestselling book, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. Oh, it doesn't look like that out of the three, the book holds up well when looking at reviews on Goodreads. And that's kind of to be expected with media from the lawless 90s. Yeah, and I think the only other guy I can think of who had sort of like a trifecta, is that a word? Yeah, that's a word. Yeah. I hope it. I'm hope I'm using it the right way. A trifecta of media like kingship is John Belushi, Jim Belushi, John John Belushi, mm-hmm. who had he had he was doing the best current best run like number one run on SNL. He had Blues Brothers, and then he had an album, and I think it was the Blues Brothers album, and they were all number one at the time. I, I'm trying to think if there were other figures who had the same sort of like there was a stardom that was that big but i I can't remember but i I didn't know that actually about tim allen so i thought that was actually pretty neat because you know what's interesting is you were were joking about tim allen being a mood but like other than like home improvement and then like sort of the santa claus slash nick at night revival of home improvement not even just Mm -hmm. revival just re-airing of home improvement i feel like tim allen definitely doesn't have the star power now that he used to and especially amongst our generation so mm. mid-20s like tim allen is not really a figure that's typically known he kind of just comfortably moved back i mean even just the fact that he had a book i think he's i saw on goodreads he has got he's got a couple mm. couple books i was like really <laughs> you know <laughs> i just didn't so anyways I, all that was really interesting um but moving on to next trivia This is the one that I was talking about. So I talked about how uh, there were some interesting things in this movie that showed how they prepared for certain things. This movie is is deceptively creative because it's not very creative and it's not over the over the top with a lot of its like subtlety. But this was something that was pretty impressive and I didn't notice until now. So throughout the film, there are secret elves that you can see in the film that are observing Scott Calvin and his son. The distinct feature that gives them away, of course, is their elf like ears. Catherine and I spotted two of them. One at the start of the film, which is very obvious as a child actor, basically just full front frame of the camera just turns their head and you see their ear. And then another scene later when the Scott and his son are walking in a park, the young elf walks right next to them, immediately looks to them. You see their ear and then looks away. There are many more I saw on the IMDb page. Of course, you could cheat and just go look, or you can watch the Santa Claus and try to find them all. So I thought I thought that was pretty cute, and I thought that was a really nice little addition to put into this film. I think that adds. I mean, it's strange. Why are elves go? I guess you made a joke. You made a joke that the elves are out there in the in the world observing to collect data to figure out what the, <laughs> what are the cool toys that people want so it's like pre-algorithmic data collection yeah, data mining yeah well <laughs> i mean so i think i think just in general that cute little easter egg of like where are all the elves the elves are out in the human world definitely is something that feels at place in this movie though because it's surprisingly grounded uh as you were kind of mentioning before like There are these things about it that are taken very seriously, even though it's very goofy and like fantastical. Uh, So something that was, again, like very subtle, very cute. Uh, During a scene where there's a police lineup for Santa, 
there are multiple mall Santas and Salvation Army Santas that are arrested and thrown into the lineup. Yeah. And director yeah. John Pesquin <laughs> makes a cameo as Santa number six. <laughs> That's, I mean, even just describing this trivia, I'm like, that happens in this movie. There's just like, a, they, they think Santa that dies, Scott's... Santa's arrested. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Like, I can't believe it. This is such a weird movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so there's a scene where as Scott Calvin is transforming into Santa Claus, Scott has to raise his shirt to have his heartbeat checked by a doctor. It's the scene mentioned in the content awareness. Anyways, as the doctor is inspecting his heart, it beats to the tune of Jingle Bells. <laughs> Which is really creepy. It is really creepy, and it's pretty funny. Like, I just didn't get it. I was like, this is weird. And then a punchline, but it just, like, came late. Anyways, this scene is actually cut from the television edit. One can assume it's either due to copyright on Jingle Bells. I mean, I don't know if Jingle Bells is copyrighted, but I... I don't know. I, I don't know why it's cut. Or it's also because Tim Allen lifts up his shirt to expose his chest and belly, which is really just a fat suit, but it could still be uncomfortable, like I said, in the content awareness. And this is all considering the fact that the focus of the film's demographic is clearly children. So it's just it's just weird. Uh, and I don't think there's really anything lost by having that scene cut. Uh, it's not like I just described. It's like happening and it's just weird. And then like it hits you and you're like, oh, that's what the punchline was. And it's like funny in theory. And it makes me laugh now. But it's didn't make me laugh when I watched it, really. So I don't know. It's I guess it did, but it was still awkward. So I'm glad it's. Kind of- yeah, I mean, it's it's like dad jokes, like three out of four are probably going to hit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, moving on. Some of the old DVD copies of the Santa Claus have fun bon- bonus material on them. So in the film, Scott Calvin santa claus shares that his favorite snack is cookies and his favorite drink is hot chocolate so within the dvd there are short video recipes for santa's favorite cookie and his favorite hot chocolate as well as santa's favorite pizza i feel like these uh dvd extras are such a 90s thing yeah the early 2000s kind of stuff yeah yeah such a 90s early 2000s were dvds 90s i don't even know i think like late 90s I think it was early maybe, maybe late maybe 90s. early 2000s if you were in the one percent you probably had them in the 90s okay then i guess it's like an early <laughs> 2000 thing i don't know i, was, I don't know i only had three years in the 90s we were babies we were babies in the 90s so we don't know yeah pretty bad we don't know anything Reminder that Daniel and I have an interesting episode of The Pre-Show, a podcast available exclusive to Patreon supporters, where we lament the loss of DVD Easter eggs like this. We have a lot of really fun reminiscing about bizarre DVD extras and Easter eggs where if you kind of move the menu around, there's a lot of hidden stuff. It's, yeah, so this I think counts, and so I don't feel bad plugging the podcast and the Patreon. There you go. (laughs) Um, that that concludes our trivia section. We're now moving into the in-depth discussion because the Santa Claus clearly has spoilers that we needed to wall off. So, uh, of course, as those who listen know, it just means we're going to talk assuming you've either seen the movie or you don't care about the ending. Just a little more freedom to just talk. So, Catherine, I'm going to ask you this. Okay. So we have the tour in the last few days, and then even just since we've been knowing each other and talking about like Santa Claus whenever the season permits. Like, I, I'll first off say, like, I agree with your, your reservations regarding Santa Claus and the fact that like there is a bizarre idol worship in terms of like just sort of 
flippantly treating Santa Claus like it's okay to raise your kids, believing that he's true, and then at some point saying he's not true and letting them down. There's also like there's the irresponsibility of that. I mean, thinking of like the 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 commandments. I mean, don't lie to your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And and well, who is your neighbor? Well, it's those who are acting in love and kindness and and pursuing you. Of course, assuming people have read the Bible by it's just stating those outright, not having references right now. But and so like when your child is it's Christmas time and they're having these hopes for like, you know, toys, as we all do. I still have hopes for not toys. Oh, well, I guess <laughs> I could say toys. I like to I like putting together Lego. So that's fun. But like you have these hopes for things. And if you were being deluded into believing Santa was real and your parents were playing along and your parents naturally are your figureheads of gaining information when you're a child. It's really dangerous to, to do a, what would, what some would consider a white lie, which is still a lie. Mm. And uh, if they're if your neighbor, it is not good to lie. So I get that. However, you also know that I land on the side of it is fun to make believe sometimes. And this movie kind of plays with that a little bit, too. This movie has some lines about like it's it is fun to permit um, like it's part of the creative process. Like, man, we didn't even talk about how like the Judge Reinhold's character is a psychiatrist in this movie who's <laughs> trying to figure out like the psychology of his stepson believing his his dad yeah. is Santa. Man, this just watch this movie. It's on Disney Plus. Just watch it. It's so funny. But yeah, like just that process of like having fun believing something is true for the sake of enjoyment, as opposed to putting your hopes and dream in it. So. The act of watching a movie and be empathizing with characters who are not real and worrying for them and being joyful for them. I feel like the way I approach Santa Claus and other mythology is the same way. So like something like I like cryptids. I like reading about mythology and folklore, like things like this is more Halloween themed, but skin takers and Wendigo and Mothman and Sasquatch. These things are not real, but they're just kind of fun to be like, ah, but let's read about it. And ah, this is so fun. And here's, here's the lore of how this thing works. And like, I find that fascinating, especially with Santa Claus. Cause to me, Santa Claus is a very, the fact that we joked about it in the beginning, he's very much a capitalist icon. He's used to sell things and he's about works righteousness. That is totally something I would expect the United States to make in its own folklore. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. So like, I find that fascinating. I don't think it's good. Just like, I don't think people who think like who would pin their hopes and dream that Sasquatch is real would do <laughs> like, obviously I would disagree with that. But like, I guess like, how do, how do you, how do you feel about that? Like being married to somebody who thinks Santa and the Wendigo are real. <laughs> No, so well, I, maybe San, so, maybe so, the Wendigo so, uh, dresses up like Santa Claus every year and leaves people presents. No, the Wendigo has the horns. The Wendigo has the horns, so it's got to be the reindeer. Santa just uh, rides with twelve Wendigos. That's totally legit. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like this new headcanon. That's, that's that's totally legit. No, I think like to clarify, it sounds like what you're asking is like, what what are my opinions on like when mythology or when fiction crosses the line between lying to your neighbor in a way that's really harmful versus participating in like imagination and fantasy yeah like collective imagination yeah um so i mean i yeah i i think it's okay 
obviously, um, to participate in this collective imagination or this mythological sort of um, appreciation, as long as everyone's under the same pretense that, like, it's fiction. For instance, my family's from West Virginia, and I think Mothman is, like, just a really cool, fun part of uh, folklore and mythology and things like that. That this story would gain traction in a newspaper hundreds of years ago and continue through the folklore to be, like, a fun campfire story or something that other people can appreciate as, like, a fictional, being a fictional character uh, there's a lot of room for creativity and art. And so I don't I don't think that's much different with Santa in particular. Um, I do think that like people have gotten very creative. I think that like even the Santa Claus is like a great example of taking this fictional character, this fictional, like this mythological or um, folklore kind of thing and creating a fun narrative, uh, using it to tell a good story. Klaus from last year was a really great example of that too. <laughs> if we didn't have Santa Claus, or like we wouldn't have Will Ferrell's Elf, and that is yeah, arguably that's like a good one. Like that's that's one of my favorites. So yeah, I think I think it's less harmful if everything is under the pretense of understanding that it's that it's fictional, that it's fun to believe, it's fun to pretend. I think it can be much more harmful if it's something that is under the presumption that it's true yeah or even like used to there's there's like a degree to using fiction for the sake of moral growth something that's often difficult with cinematic doctrine it's sort of like a a gauge that we have to balance is you know it i i personally really enjoy the experience of empathy in watching movies I find that that helps me understand situations better sometimes. And I find there's a lot that I learn through it. However, I need to ensure that what I learn and how I step away from it ultimately aligns with scripture. Or if it doesn't, that scripture trumps it, if that makes sense. Mm. That danger doesn't happen if I'm not... I don't know how else to describe this. I guess like the the thing that comes out of this is like... What what we're probably most worried about is if somebody is saying you have to be like just the concept of you must be good to get good things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make sure you're good all year so that you get what you want in the end of the year. And like, okay, so we get that you're trying to teach people to do what's right, right? You're yeah. trying to and, – and that's like a good thing to want to teach people to do what's right. But the problem with the Santa Claus thing and using that – to get people to do what's right is that you're telling people like to get good, to, to get good things to happen to you, you must be good. And if you do mm. bad things, you will have uh, bad things happen to you. That doesn't always happen. There are plenty of bad people that have good things happen to them. The rain, the Lord brings the rain to the just and the unjust. You could read plenty of Psalms where good people are constantly weeping because bad people <laughs> are constantly succeeding. <laughs> there are tons of that. Yeah. There are, there's um, Jeremiah literally saying, God, you've lied to me. Uh, after like having suffered the fact that he has preached, I'm sorry, not, he has prophesied like 
Israel, stop doing bad and honor God. Now he's doing that, trusting that the Lord is going to take care of him. And then like the Israelites are like, nah, you're against us. And they like torture him and beat him. And then that's when he's like, God, you've lied. Like, why are you letting them do this? Of course, then he repents and he relents and he says, no, the Lord, you are the only one. Also look at martyrs. Also look at Jesus. There's a lot of people who have done good and, of course, have had bad things happen to them. When you have this constant moral thing taught to you of, like, there's this omniscient figure who can fly around and give you good things only if you do the right thing, can start to creep into how people, like, people's theology, Mm because everyone's a theologian. And if everybody believes that that's how goodness works and that's how goodness is distributed, then, yeah, no wonder you would have a problem with God if you were like, but if you do good and good stuff doesn't happen to you, then then what's up? What's the deal? Like, you got to you gotta account for this, God, right? Like, if this is how it works, of course, we know that's not how it works. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, with, with it being like Santa's like a moral figure, too, I, I think it's interesting because uh like like you said like we're all theologians and children are some of the youngest and most impressionable theologians and so whenever you've been taught this and whenever the white lie has been busted up and you realize like santa isn't real i think that can undermine a lot of people's belief in like the actual truth like if you have been raised in a christian household but you also have been raised with like the tradition of santa claus and yeah, I, th- I think that it, it has a lot of room where like it can lead to harmful things, like even just prosperity gospel kind of things. Yeah. And I guess I guess there's like a chance for that in anything. But I think that with this Santa thing, you see either people having this break in them where like they've been taught to believe something that's fake. And so whenever they're faced with Christ, they go, well, why is that any different? Or they're taught that like this God figure in Santa, you got to do the good things to get the good things, or you've got to follow the rules and make nice. And it's all on you. I think both things can be very damaging. And that's sort of where, like when thinking about the Santa Claus, like this movie, there's this constant theme of belief. That's sort of the running idea. Like, do you believe that Santa Santa's real? Parents (laughs) seem adult people just seem to stop believing They have their existential moment that they share that that's the reason why they stop believing. And then in the end, of course, like one character, well, all the characters, you know, it's a it's a Christmas movie. Everybody lives in the end. Nobody's dead, of course. (laughs) Not that there was any threat of that. Just Santa. Just yeah, that's right. Just Santa. (laughs) Santa dies. Um, That's why it's Cat's favorite movie. Um, But like, you know, everybody gets what they want. All the presents, like the the characters that lamented, like the two presents that they wish they got, and then they stopped believing in Santa because they didn't get them in the end of this movie. They, of course, they do because Santa magic. And they have joy. And, and like, first they believed, and then it happened, which is interesting. I, I, I'm not going to unpack that. Like, <laughs> oh, that really, really explains how the Lord works. It's amazing. He's a Christian. Wow, I can't believe it. Um <laughs> who knows who knows <laughs> just uh but yeah it's it's um it's it's i just find it fascinating i think is really like where this episode kind of goes i just i find santa claus fascinating in terms of understanding a culture i think myths are a great way to do it um i think looking at a culture's folklore and mythology is a way to really better understand it 
I mean, we, you were talking about like the comfort that can be found in understanding telling stories and stuff. And like, mm. although like Greek, Greek, Greek and Roman pantheons and mythology of like Greek gods and like stuff like that, the problems were when they were idolized in terms of like these gods were real for which we know that they are not. Um, there is a fascination in them. Like that's why stuff like Percy Jackson and the Olympians took off. Of course that also took off in the YA movement. That's why Homestuck exists. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> There's a lot of fascinating things to be enjoyed in storytelling. I think the big issue always really comes to when these things start to become idolized or Satan is able to delude people into basically introducing them into their passive vernacular. Because I don't think anyone in the United States is about to say to me, like, yeah, I idol worship Santa. Like, <laughs> I don't see that happening. But... I mean, we've just talked about this because that's what happens, because we live in a Christian community and culture where people are struggling with works righteousness. We're living in a, a, a religious culture that struggles with capitalism and monetary value and basically works righteousness just without without religion. Yeah. And so it makes, obviously, we're going to have to talk about this. And this is where I think I come to like sort of my last position of eating food, sacrifice to, to idols, to false idols. And I've mentioned this a lot on the podcast, I think. I've mentioned this in written posts on the website. And I've mentioned this even in basic conversation because it's very important for us as Christians to be mindful of it. And the reason I bring it up is because the story of this is in like Acts. There are uh, new converts that were Gentiles that that previously had been sacrificing meat to idols and eating it. And then, of course, there are Jews who are now Christians who never really had to worry about that. And the Jews are buying meat sacrificed to idols to eat it. Um, they're just buying it because they need it to survive. They need it for their food. The Gentiles who've recently converted are uncomfortable with that. Doesn't it's it's they are tempted. They find it 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 just hurts them. It's wrong. There's potential for temptation, stuff like that. And Paul writes and says, like, you know, what we've decided is that you should stop eating meat sacrificed to false idols because it might lead your brother into sin. And this is this is crazy because Paul even writes that like it's not wrong that you're eating this meat that's sacrificed to idols because you know that those idols are not real and this food is the Lord's, all things are the Lord's and you're okay to eat it. It's fine. But for the sake of your witness and your companionship and unity with the Christian brotherhood, you should not eat this. So what is not sin in the context of it becomes sin, if that makes sense. And this is further backed up when you go to Revelation, when Jesus is speaking um, to the churches, he basically is just using, there's these candles and they're described as the flame of the spirit and he can take it away. If he blows out the candle, he's taking the spirit away from this church and they're not going to persevere. And he describes, he, he equates eating of this meat, sacrifice to false idols, to sexual immorality. Mm. He's equating them as equally as bad, which is crazy because wow. you're like sexual immorality. All right. I get that. That's wrong. That's sinful. I get it. Like, obviously. But then he's also saying this thing that otherwise is not sinful within the context of where you are is now sinful is just as bad as you going out and just hook it up with people. That's wild. And so the reason I bring that up is I think like, you know, this Santa Claus thing is a cultural phenomenon. It is a cultural mythological figure. And so uh, at risk of being a publication that is shooting itself in the foot right now, 
the question that is kind of had around Santa Claus and Christian communities is like, is Santa Claus and passive mentions of him, or even I would just say like talking, watching his movies, I'll say, watching Santa Claus's movies uh, and reading Santa books or stuff like that. Is that going to be challenging to your brother who might struggle with works righteousness? Is that going to be challenging to your brother who had had a bad experience where their parents just said Santa was real, then he wasn't. And then they also lost their faith because they're like, well, if this omniscient dude who gives me presents if I'm good isn't real, then God must not be real either. And now knows the Lord and is still worried about that. Is it right for you to be watching Santa movies with them? And then even lastly, Kat, you brought up this this idea of like, here you are in your family getting an Xbox and you're getting like, a new shirt and you got a new phone and you got a pet dog and you're just thinking like, wow, Santa, like I've been so good this year. And then you go to your friend's house and like, they're just lower income. So all they got was like some sneakers. It's like, Oh, that, that doesn't feel right. Why Santa, like they, not only has she been good, but they need more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, they, they need way more than me. Why are you Santa? Why are you giving me an Xbox when they like, they could probably use with like a, I don't know, health insurance or something. They could get some rent money. There are, but what I'm really asserting is there are a lot of, it's, it's, you just need to think about it culturally and think like, is talking about Santa Claus in the way that we are by like talking about a movie like this. Will it be challenging to our brother? Is it the same as when I we tried to cover last shift and then didn't, and then I basically repented to you, to you listeners by not covering it? You can check that episode out if you don't know what I'm talking about. Is this the equivalent? I don't think so. But I think I think that's sort of how we need to approach it when we when we get right down to it. But but how how do you, how do you feel about that, Kat? Do you think like my approach to Santa Claus makes sense? Like to 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 put it in a bullet point form. Because I just said a whole lot of things. Mm. You know, I I recognize the cultural problems of Santa Claus, that he breeds works righteousness. He's sort of a capitalistic idol because he's basically just used to sell stuff. He's basically a God stand-in since he knows everything. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But I also think there's an appropriateness to understanding and enjoying mythology, cultural mythology and fictional characters. And that can be appropriate ultimately capitalized with, but through scripture, we do know that there are some cultural things that we, for the sake of our witness and for the sake of our fellow brother in Christ, should not participate in. Where, How do you feel about those three things? And do you feel that maybe I'm just being a little cowardly by not making a decision on where I stand <laughs> and just being like, yeah, I like Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Yeah. Kurt Russell, <laughs> Christmas Chronicles. Ah. No, I mean, I think that those are, uh, those are really valid points. And I think that, I think if you wrestle with it and you think like, okay, you recognize the problems in it and you come to a conclusion and you're, you consider like, Okay, is this fun as a make-believe thing? Is this fun as maybe a tradition? Or can, can I participate in this in a way that does not challenge my own faith? And then like you're saying, like to be mindful of your neighbor. To not walk into someone else's house and pass judgment either way. Like, oh, you don't celebrate Santa? Or, oh, I, I can't believe you celebrate Santa. I, I, think it's, I think those are all important things to consider. I mean, and at the end of the day, I think my opinion is like, I, I don't think it's sinful per se to participate in the Santa tradition um, or to enjoy <laughs> narratives about Santa. But I do think that there are ways in which it 
it can be harmful. I think kind of what you've said, where it's like, you've got to watch out and see, like, are you loving your neighbor through it? Um, I think you also need to evaluate and think like, okay, but does like this hinder me? In in Hebrews 12, there's this example of like, as you're persevering in the faith, um, the author of Hebrews reminds us not only like to throw away the sin that you're dealing with, but also whatever would hinder you mm-hmm. from persevering mm-hmm. in the gospel, whatever would hinder you from growing closer to Christ and like being able to enjoy just, <laughs> and it sounds weird to put it this way, but that's how the Christian life is like to enjoy the grace that has come through Christ laying down his life for you. Right. And so like, if, if Santa, for whatever reason, hinders the way that you express the gospel, um, either in like your personal faith in life or in the way that you uh, present the gospel to others, then yeah, I would say don't, don't participate in it. So, so yeah. Um, well, I mean, Santa is a very limited figure and it amazes me like every year there's multiple Santa stories and they're all kind of the same. And that's why I like the Santa Claus is because it's about Santa who might lose custody over his son. <laughs> and to quote one of my favorite letterbox reviews and not quote it right. So I'm just going to paraphrase the one care one review literally just wrote that it, the person can't stop thinking about how his son says he wants to get into the family business but the family business was started because Tim Allen killed Santa Claus, which means his son wants to kill his dad to become Santa Claus. <laughs> and that is a line from the movie that carries a lot of implications. <laughs> so <laughs> just look, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. And if it doesn't challenge your faith, in terms of because I don't think it's wrong to enjoy the Santa Claus fictional character. I think it's totally viable. Then you're going to have a good time. You're just you just are. It's a mm-hmm. it's I would say it's a Disney Christmas classic. It's got the Disney go- put on your Disney nostalgia goggles, because let's be real here. If you're ever interacting with a Disney property, you always are wearing Disney goggles because anybody who knows anything about Disney knows that they're <laughs> that you need goggles for them. And uh, you're going to enjoy it. But look, if 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 it's something that makes you uncomfortable and you're listening to this episode in terms of education for like, why do people why do people like Santa? But also, why do Christians not like Santa? Then, yeah, it's you're fine. You don't need it. So, OK, cat, this is the this is the important stuff. OK, OK, Tim Allen or Kurt Russell out of the two Santas that you've watched. Which one? Which one? Oh, boy. Um. Both of them go to prison. So <laughs> no, wait, they don't both go to prison. Kurt Russell goes to prison. They both both movies feature prison and police. Yeah, but both are chased by police. I don't want to be a contrarian. I but I think the most enjoyable per- portrayal of Santa for me is in a Christmas story. Whenever Santa just kicks Ralphie down the slide. <laughs> um, but honestly, I will have to go with uh, Kurt Russell just because. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is so fun. He just has a blast. Yeah, I when I watching this reminded me like I think like I've always thought like like you know how I don't know am I the only person who does this? When I think about French fries, I used to always like compare them to McDonald's French fries. I always <laughs> used to think like McDonald's French fries were the default French fry. 
And like, if you could make McDonald's French fries, like you have made the French fry, you know? And so obviously I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, homemade fries are very good and much better, but I do, do like McDonald's fries a lot. But like, I, and I think like I've done that with Tim Allen Santa Claus too. I feel like I have made Tim Allen Santa Claus to the default and I didn't know it until like rewatching it. I went, oh, that's right. That is Santa. It's Santa. Like, like even Santa from Elf, I always was like, that's not Santa. Like I am Will Ferrell. Uh, in this moment, I am Will Ferrell. And so I don't know. It's, I do agree though. Kurt Russell is this a good, it's a good Santa. Yeah, yeah, but but Tim Allen is the McDonald's French fry of Santa Clauses. Yes, he he's it's like a tried and true. Yeah, that's my review. Tim Allen is the McDonald's French fry of the Santa Clauses. Very cool. Thanks so much for checking out this episode on the Santa Claus. Now, if you've seen The Santa Claus, what did you think of it? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast in your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and reviews on iTunes and Podchaser mean a lot to us. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss in the podcast, just like this one. You also gain access to The Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where we casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who supported the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.